you're listening to a collective of Mission City Fellowship. Collectives are classes for learning and growing in grace together. In a collective, there actually is teaching and sharing from those in attendance. We purpose to only record the theological teaching aspect of the collective class. May this teaching bless you. May it deepen your understanding and knowledge of the Lord and His Word. And may it greatly impact the way that we live life with one another at Mission City Fellowship. How much we need brothers and sisters to help us see our sin. Because we are often so blind to it. I did not realize my tone, my manner, how I was holding myself, the words, how it revealed irritation. Terry saw it, and she asked me about it. She was not trying to make me feel bad. She wasn't calling down judgment on my head. She was just being a faithful sister in Christ. And second is this. Most importantly, nothing, as a follower of Christ, nothing in this world makes us sin. We do it because it's what's in our heart. Nothing in the events of our lives or circumstances we face makes us sin. You know, Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. No, no, half of you don't even know who Flip Wilson. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, you know Flip. Okay. Yeah, everybody over 55. <laughs> he was a comedian. Eh, whatever. <laughs> we sin because we want something more than we want the will of God and the work of the Spirit in that moment. We're not following Christ in every area of life. We want our way more than we want to follow Christ. So hear this. Circumstances are the occasion of our sin. They are never the cause of our sin. Circumstances are the occasion of our sin. They are never the cause of our sin. And with those reactions, we can see just a whole boatload of consequences that come from them. Our responses, our reactions can yield bitter results in our lives that are represented by the thorns. We see the dejection in our kids because they were yelled at. We see the hurt in our spouse and in the marital relationship has taken a hit and the dynamic has now been introduced into place where the spouse has to fear whether you got yelled at at work. Our sinful responses bear bitter fruit. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So, now, we deal with thorns in our lives and in our relationships, hurt and wounds and suspicions and anger and resentment and being protective and closing down and deflecting and blaming. These are all thorn responses that all come from flesh. And they're all contrary to faith. They may be very real. We don't want to deny them. We don't want to pretend like they're not there. But we need to understand what they are, though. Okay? Thorns. What are the responses to the events and circumstances in your life? It is difficult to help others if you're not aware of your own journey of faith here. If you're not, if you're not aware of what's going on in your life, it's going to be hard for you to help, help other people to come alongside in, in skillful ways. That's the thorn bush. Good news, the cross, the second tree. This is what God has done for us in Christ. This is God's provision for us. So the cross refers to who God is and what he says and promises and what he does for us in Christ. 
The God of the Bible presents himself as an ever-present help in time of trouble. I just, I, the older I get, that, that, that verse just, I just latch on to it. What a great promise. What a great truth. It's orienting. It's stabilizing. He is a very present. We live our lives as if God is absent from our troubles. As if he's really not concerned. As if he's far off. And that's not what the word tells us. He's with us always to the end of the ages. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And we have this from 2 Peter 1. That basically is telling us he gives us everything we need to respond in a godly, faith-filled way. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Christ lives so we can live. And he has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We've not been left short. We've been well provided for in this. He is alive so our lives can be lived holy and fully with intention to the glory of God. The promise of the cross is not just renewed strength or enhanced wisdom. It is a new heart that begins to evidence new strength and wisdom in what we face every day. No matter if it is the heat of suffering or the rain of blessing. That is the work of the gospel continuing to unfold in our life. It changes how we respond to the exact same heat. That's what the Redeemer does in us. It's not a redeeming, redemption process. It's a Redeemer that changes us. He gives us Himself, and in so doing, He remakes us from the inside out. That is the work of the Spirit of Christ within us. He does this remaking in our hearts, and then that is expressed in our actions. And each of us in this process of being remade to reflect the correct, we're each in this process of being remade in the, in the character of Christ. And this is a supernatural work. And we just want to acknowledge that work. Like, Lord, you're doing this. You're doing this. You're changing me. I want to see more change. I really do want to respond differently to the exact same situation. It's this kind of supernatural work that the Lord does. It's like when you begin to find joy when you would usually feel despair. When you experience strength when you would have just given in and gone with the tiredness. His work is when wisdom comes when we're at a loss for what to do. Or where His peace just settles up even though there's just turmoil all around us. Or He produces this hope for life, even though we are hurting inside for whatever reason. Christ is our Savior. He saves us. He delivers us from the judgment of God on our sin, but He also saves and continues to save us from the ways of sin that we continue to struggle against because we are saints, born again, but we're also sinners simultaneously. That's what the Reformers called it. Christ is at work in us to deliver us deliver us from sinfulness, to deliver us from pride. And pretty much pride is the source of everything else. But pride and flesh and worldliness, things like anger and lust and greed and resentment and bitterness and divisiveness and strife and selfishness and egotism and outbursts. And his patience begins to be worked in us instead. 
where there's love and mercy and courage and boldness and justice and grace can be expressed. This is, it's truly amazing what he does. We just want to rejoice with that because he's doing it in us and we can have confidence. He's doing it in all his children, whoever we're, whoever we're doing face-to-face with. He's doing it in all. And Pastor Phil just does a good job of just bringing this out for us again and again. God, God, is, you know, God is not absent. He's on scene. He's working in every one of his children's lives. Sometimes it just needs a brother or sister to say, yeah, he's, he's for you. He can change you. He's working here. He's working in you. That is his promise. He has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's a promise. Live on that. Build a house on that promise. And the cross is what makes this change possible. It is God coming to rescue us from our sin and then change us. And this leads to fruit. Okay, this leads to fruit. New faith responses. New faith responses. It is God who now is enabling us to respond to the same old pressures in a brand new way. So in that illustration, he enables Sue in that she's still tired. She was still ra- had the same history of how she was raised. She still has her personality and all that. Went, but, but she now is, she respond, responds with kindness instead of being irritated. He changes our heart to reflect his ways and priorities. We no longer, because we got yelled at, we don't come home and, and yell at our, our spouse or kids or kick the dog or whatever it is that you know, we do. Uh, we come home and we're, we're kind and we're gentle, which is how we want it to be treated. Because a new heart with new energy and wisdom, we seek God's help in two ways. We do that through repentance. Well, I would say confession of sin, repentance from sin, trust in Christ, and purposing to give thanksgiving. I call those the rhythms of the gospel. That's how we change in those rhythms. Confession of, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about in the life of a Christian. Confession of sin, repentance of sin, turning and trust to Christ, and then just cultivating a heart of thanksgiving for, for his, his work. When we, we go through those things and we see, hey, like Sue in that instance would be like, you know what, Bob? What I just did was sinful. I sinned against you. I'm, please forgive me. Lord, I, I sinned. I was more concerned about me. Please forgive me. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to turn from that. And I trust that you're at work in this. And hopefully next time, you'll make me aware by your spirit and I'll respond differently. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Thank you for your salvation. See, these are rhythms. How we apply this in our lives. The car cuts you off. Or for me, when, when I put that piece of, of trash, I throw it into the trash can and it goes on the floor behind it and I have to reach behind and I'm like, why couldn't it just go in the trash? That's where I sent it. And I'm thinking the whole world's against me. I, I, and that's silly. But I mean, it is rebelling too. Oh Lord, that, I'm grateful that I can bend down and do this. Help me to do differently. Let me respond differently. I still have to work on that. Um, Thank you for saving me from it. The rhythms of the gospel, that's how we change. It's one of the, just these rhythms, confession of sin, repentance from sin, trusting in the Lord, and just moving towards thankfulness. And here's another way that uh, this new heart, where we're responding differently, we're responding in love to other people. 
It's interesting, all these courses I took and many of these books you read, I never had heard this before. It just seems so obvious now to me, but when people are really beginning to grow and mature in Christ, one of the, one of the evidences of that, or one of the things that you see is that even though they may be experiencing significant hurt or significant struggle in their, mind, in their lives, they're still moving towards other people. They're still loving other people. That, that's just such the Lord at work there. Because the tendency is, you know, poor me, woe is me, I'm just going to turn the arrow inward. There's a sense in which the Lord just always just turns the arrow outward for these people. These new responses produce, instead of thorns, it produces a whole different harvest of fruit that's wonderful and Christ-honoring and glorifies the Lord. We, we then begin to develop healthy, loving, giving, self-sacrificing relationships. We begin to grow in patience with other people's problems and, and faults. We, well, willingness to enter into other people's messes and to walk alongside them, even for years. A thankfulness to God in the face of suffering. Hope in the kindness of God through adversity. These are the kinds of new responses to the exact same heat. And that is what we are after. That is what we are after. This tree, three-tree model is basically, it's really wonderful. If you go to Jeremiah 17, you really can find it laying itself out there. Let me read this for you. If you want to turn, that's fine, but I just want to read this for us. Um, again, using concrete images to illustrate spiritual truths. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert. And he shall not see any good. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in, in, in uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it le its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. When we look at this passage, like in verse 8, we see the heat that is used to describe the fallen world. He's like a tree planted by water. Uh, when the heat comes, we see the heat there in verse 8. Verse 6 is this image of the thorn bush, the shrub, and the wasteland that's represented in the ungodly person who turns away from the Lord. Cursed is this man. His heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub. We see the cross in verses 5 and 7. There's this clear reference to the Lord. He is the Redeemer who confronts and cleanses and empowers those who humbly trust in Him. I mean, we could, we could represent this part of the passage by the cross to capture the redemptive activity of God in, 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 on our behalf. In verses 7 and 8, there's the image of the fruitful tree that emerges, representing the godly person who trusts in the Lord. And in the middle of these images, verses 9 and 10, it shows us a God who, is simply who does not simply focus on our behavior, though that matters. He does not ignore it. His focus is on our hearts. And He is the searcher of our hearts because they are the central change process that our Redeemer takes in our lives. Again, this just, I just want to give you another biblical reference, frame of reference here, that gives us a simple but helpful view that involves these four basic elements. We have the heat, we have the thorns, we have the cross, we have the fruit. Okay? 
So everyone that we meet, they are experiencing heat or reacting to it. Everyone. Face-to-face ministry is helping people in the power of the Spirit to trust in Christ and respond differently in faith to the very same heat. What we're trying to do in our life, that's what we want to help other people to do. Now, I'll make this statement. Wisdom, there's wisdom sometimes in changing the circumstances we're facing. If you're suffering and you can do something to, to stop the suffering, I would say wisdom says do that. Don't just, there's no innate value in suffering for suffering's sake. If you're doing something unwise that's causing suffering, then don't, you know, stop those things. If you can change the situation, but our focus isn't on that. Our focus, so much of what we face, we, we can't change. God is changing us in it, and that's where we ultimately need to go. Okay? Uh, I'm trying to see the time here. Okay. So let me do. Let me take the next five minutes, and we'll have another break, and then we'll finish up. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the process of redemptive relationships, because this this is what it essentially comes down to. There's just five characteristics of redemptive relationships. The first is this: redemptive relationships are knowing it are about knowing and praying for someone. That's essentially it. <laughs> knowing and praying for someone, bringing the word to bear. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's essentially about knowing someone well enough that you can bring the word to bear skillfully in their life. It's about knowing and praying for someone and caring for others through redemptive relationships. It's, this, it's a simple variation of knowing someone and praying for them. Uh, knowing and praying for them. Are we willing to take our conversations and relationships to that point? I just love to see when I, when I walk in, and one of the things that was so encouraging me in my former church when I began to see these things that I've been teaching, the Lord has been working in our church, when I began to see Sunday mornings, I'd walk down, we had this long hallway, and I would just see brothers and sisters who aren't, aren't just catching up on the week, they're praying for each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Yeah, catch up on your week, but yeah. <laughs> Usually in that, someone said, man, you know, I just I had a bad week. And, okay, let's go to the Lord together. Just taking that time to pray. Began to see that more and more. That's, that's a redemptive relationship. It's, it's knowing someone well enough to know what's going on in their life and then praying with them and following up with that person. That's such a key thing. It's like you find out something one week, follow up the next week if you don't see them again or follow up with an email or a text during the week. Like, hey, you said, that, how's it going in your life? It's a powerful thing to be pursued like that. Where someone just follows up and, you, and tells you, hey, you know, you're like, hey, you, you told me last week that, that your boss was being a real jerk towards you. You know, we prayed that you would, Lord would give you wisdom how to respond to that and we'd give you faith to be joyful in the midst of that. How did it go this week? Yeah. Just that simple, that's that. I mean, there's just so many ways. Tracking with people for a season or a year just keeps following them up. And, uh, and it's knowing them well enough when painful anniversaries come up. Uh, you know, the death of a spouse or a parent or, or whatever may have happened. You know, just being aware when that comes around the next year, like a note or a card or a text is so helpful. It's just knowing and praying for someone, too. Second characteristic, a redemptive relationship means moving toward people. God relentlessly moved 
towards us and moves towards us. He never stopped. He never stops. His heart is for us. That's the point of the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. He went after it till he finds it and he rejoices. He just keeps going. That is what he did. He came to seek and save the lost. That is what our Lord did for us. There is this intense search for the lamb in those parables and for the coin that is reflected in God's search for us. Okay? Uh, this might be a new way of thinking about following Christ, but as his followers, we are always moving toward people. To love, to help, to serve. To support, to challenge, to give, to hear. Following Christ is a life of moving toward people to engage and to love them, just as our Lord did for us. This applies to all people, those in the church, those not in the church, those who trust in Christ, those who do not trust in Christ. We're just moving towards people. Moving towards difficult people. This is one of the things I prayed for about six years ago. I began to pray, Lord, I just want to be able to, because I was not doing a good job. I want to pray for people who disagree with me. Who I want to love and move towards people who disagree with me, maybe even oppose me, who don't like me, who may hate me. Um... <laughs> Whatever, I want to still move towards those people. And I think I do that better. I still have room to grow, but I, I, I've seen him done that in my life towards difficult people. Third, redemptive relationships are adaptable and flexible. One of my professors said, it's more like, it's not like a symphony. It starts here and it ends. It's more like jazz. <laughs> just kind of over, uh, around, and it's just... That's what redemptive relationships are like. We would like it if like, oh, we start here and then you know, seven days later we end here and we're all good. But it doesn't go that way, does it? I'm sorry. You said they were adaptable and what was there? Flexible. Flexible. We need to be okay with, it, with messes. And here's the point of this, the larger value. We need to slow down to God's sanctifying change in a person's life, to his, his speed of change. Instead of saying, well, I, I think they should be somewhere else right now. I often feel in those moments when you're dealing with somebody with these messes, messes that we deal with, and we know our own messes, but someone has expressed their trouble or heartache, you know, you feel like, I, I feel this often when someone new comes in for counseling and I don't know the situation and they start talking, I just feel like, you know, wanting to help them, I feel like I've been thrown in the middle of an ocean and I don't know which way to swim to find land. It's just a mess sometimes. I even have uh, one of my, Dr. Welch, one of these, I remember him talking about that, that he had a, and he'd been counseling for three decades and he had this person, he said, he often feels this. Uh, he comes into, came into his office for counseling and talked for 30 minutes, gave his story, and he said at the end of it, God have mercy, I have no idea what to do here. And I was like, him too. He 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 he's good at this, you know. Okay, I don't didn't feel so bad. But his response was, okay, but we're going to go to the Lord and we're going to ask for wisdom and we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to try to understand the Word of God. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, our confidence is always in in redemptive relationship. It's in Christ. It's not in our ability. We're looking to Christ. We're calling upon Christ. We're asking. We're praying about the specific details that, that of whatever the struggle is, the heat they're facing. And as we move toward people and the story of their life unfolds, we're going to Christ with them and for them. We're having honest conversations with the Lord about what we're hearing and what we are feeling about what we're hearing. It's just honest. We're not projecting some kind of like, oh, we've got this all figured out. 
In redemptive relationships, we acknowledge that the Spirit must give life to this person. What's needed here is what the Lord has for them. And we just want to be a means of grace. So it's redemptive relationships are adaptable and flexible. There's two more, and then we'll take a break. Change through redemptive relationship goes through Jesus. Yeah, uh, Paul said, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's redemptive relationship was about Christ and Christ's work, his death on the cross in our place for our sin. Paul appointed, Paul pointed to the surprise of the gospel that wipes the slate clean for morally corrupt people like us. And then what he's going to do throughout the rest of I mean, he didn't just, he talked about things other than Christ. He then goes on in the rest of the book and talks about sexual immorality. He talks about lawsuits. He talks about marriage, widowhood, rights and relationships, parenting, manhood, offenses. But it all comes out of Christ. For I delivered to you of first importance what I had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. See what he's saying here is, what difference does it make to our lives that Christ died and rose again? What's the difference that, that, that he makes? That's why he determined to know Christ and him crucified. It makes all the difference. He is the agent of change. And it is remarkable in my life, and I think in just over the years of engaging with God's people, how easily Christians lose track of the work and the power and the love of God for them. We just, we get swallowed by the heat. And we just miss it. And we need a brother or sister to say, God's really good. And he's really good to you. Let's turn to him. I'll turn to him with you. I know you don't feel it, but I'll step with you. I'll come alongside of you. Finally, and this kind of speaks to what I already said. Change through redemptive relationships is a slow process. David Allison once said, change is moving in the right direction. It's not about speed, distance, or perfection, but direction. It's moving in the... Progressive sanctification is an important theme in redemptive relationships. Yes, Christ loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to allow us to stay where we are. If you're going to help someone grow in grace, we need to help... They need to know up front that sanctification is to be persistent and it is to be relentless. We're, and that's the work of the Spirit in us. We're, we keep pushing towards that. But it is also that it can be slow and it can have ups and downs. Progressive sanctification is like a man. Uh, I, I think Pallison was one who actually heard this. It's like a man uh, tossing a yo-yo while going upstairs. It's like, yeah, there's ups and downs, but you're going up overall. And sanctification, the work of the Spirit, is when he starts shortening the stream so the lows aren't quite as low. But we need to be okay that, that, that there's progress, and we need to slow down to God's pace of change. I mean, think about your life. How hard has it been for you to grow in some areas? I mean, that was one of the most eye-opening eye things to me as I thought about pastoring the church. I began to see God's work in my life, and he'd gone, take me through this five-year process, and he changed so much. And I started preaching and engaging with people, and they didn't change overnight. And I forgot it took five years for God to do that in me. You know? We've got to slow down to God's pace of change. Following Christ brings us responsibilities towards others. 
following Christ, uh, God intends for us to have these kind of redemptive relationships. And those are the five essential things. In our last session, we're going to look through just wisdom. What does wisdom look like? And we're going to talk about how do we talk about bringing the word to bear in people's lives. Okay? So take a 10-minute break. We're at 11.37. We'll be back. Uh, yes. Uh, they are redemptive relationship is knowing and praying for someone. These are characteristics. A redemptive relationship is, our relationships are moving toward people. Redemptive relationship in ministry is adaptable and flexible. Um, change is slow, is a slow process through redemptive relationships, and change through redemptive relationships ultimately goes uh, through Jesus. And I gave those actually in a different order. Take, take, a, take a 10 minute break, we'll come back and we'll finish up strong.